0: Howdy folks, Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, Heartland of America. I can be found on any pod any platform where you can normally find podcasts such as iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and other platforms like it. You can find me on Instagram at underscore imcannabisativa. You can find me on Getter at IC Sativa Pod, and you can find me on Twitter at iC Sativa Pod. So you're probably wondering why we played the victory theme and not just um, any victory theme, but like our older one. Um, good friend of the show, commis- former commissioner Shalene Title, has put out an excellent paper that we're going to read. It's not—it's not a long, long paper, so I'm not—I don't expect to be like rambling for like an hour or anything like that. But I—I I think it's a paper that's very good, and I think it's a paper that, again, it has—it has its finger on the pulse of what us average Jane and average Joe cannabis users are um sort of some of our complaints, especially our complaints about how a lot of the East, the a lot of the, uh, or let's just say a lot, how a lot of the Eastern United States outside the capital, ca- the cannabis capital of the Eastern Seaboard, which is Maine. So outside of Maine, you have a lot of monopolies in the east. You have a lot of oligopolies. You have a lot of big dispensaries that are charging people 300, 400 an ounce or more. And again, they're not making this product with love and affection. They're just doing it with with eyes on the on 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 the dollar signs. Um and they will cut whatever corners they need to create a big as big of a yield as possible, and to serve as many customers as possible- i mean disregarding the the fact that they're using ethical or safe practices like they will throw that out the wind if if they can make if they can yield more and make more money and because in some of these states, some of these eastern states you don't even have home grow, so you couldn't even grow your own medicine to counteract these prices so Again, we need solutions for a lot of the East where we're going, where we're where, where we're seeing this stuff. We need we need solutions, and we need to understand how and why we got to this point. And I think this paper is gonna is gonna get to a lot of that. So again, I'm not gonna read like the like footnotes, obviously. I'm not gonna read like um about the author acknowledgments. I will do the executive summary, and then we'll just jump in. All right. So, yeah. All right, let's do this. The, the Ohio State University, Martz College of Law, Drug Enforcement and Policy Center. Bigger is not better. Preventing monopolies in the national cannabis market. Author, Commissioner, or former Commissioner, um, Title, um, if you are smoking cannabis and you're over the age of twenty one. If you are over the age of twenty-one, you have this person, you have her efforts to think. You have a lot of her efforts to think. She was one of the she's one of like the uh cannabis pioneers that put put question four on the ballot in twenty sixteen. She did a lot of lead work. Um, I mean, I believe my source Some of my sources have said that she even wrote Question Four, but I have to, I have to double check that. But she did a lot of work with Question Four, so he, she's she's part of the reason why you are smoking legal weed in Massachusetts. Great friend of the show, and 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 the lone commissioner that was the voice of reason with 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 prohibitionist cannabis commissioners again you have these boomer politicians that did it, did this in the 60s 70s and probably maybe even 80s for some of them they peg this as a as a young person's drug and then they demonize the f out of anybody that still does it outside of outside of college you know they set up all these laws they um they limit the qualifying condition lists. they they're they're against weed and then and then when they leave Congress, they 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 invest in it. So again, just more of that nonsense of these of these boomer-minded people that may have done it decades ago and because, you know, they don't do it anymore and or they think it's a co- college person drugs. They think every they think everybody under the sun thinks that
1: way, but they don't. But I'm getting into the weeds here. Let's get into it. All right. So bigger is not better. Preventing
0: monopolies in the national cannabis market. Author Shalene Title. All right. So we're so about the author, acknowledgments, executive summary, introduction. Domination by big business is a threat to the industry. Threats to equity, diversity and to public health. Open competition, small marijuana is politically popular. Is more politically popular than corporate consolidation. Open competition, small marijuana is more politically popular than corporate consolidation, big marijuana. Existing federal legalization
1: proposals, federal policy enforcement recommendations, conclusions. All right. Just thought of I
0: just thought of like an excellent idea that I'm probably gonna put for like a episode in the future.
1: Um, really just thought about it and be on the lookout for it, but yeah. Okay. Let's do this. All right. Executive summary. All right. Shall I zoom in? Yeah.
0: I think I'm going to zoom in because like my eyes are just, gonna remind me of like my parents now. All right. Let me zoom in so some of my feeble eyes can actually read it. All right. I don't want it too big though. Okay. I think this is good. Executive summary, cannabis is uh, is at a crossroads. Executive summary, cannabis is at a crossroads. With the majority of U.S. states having legalized marijuana in some form and Congress contemplating opening the doors to interstate commerce, it is a crucial and vulnerable moment for the future of these new markets. Excuse me. While states are making historical progress, creating paths for small businesses and disenfranchised groups, larger companies are expanding, consolidating, lobbying for licensing rules to create or maintain oligopolies. Federal legalization will only accelerate the power grab already happening for control of the multi-billion dollar industry. Big tobacco and alcohol companies are making significant investments into cannabis. And even larger conglomerates are openly expressing their interest in the industry. Left unchecked, this scramble for market share threatens to undermine public health and safety and to undo bold state-level reforms to build an equitable cannabis marketplace. The nation's antitrust laws were created as a solution to stop the monopolistic practices of industrial titans who threaten the public good. This paper argues for applying those well-developed principles to federal cannabis reform now, before it is too late. It lays out a set of policy proposals to promote the growth of a diverse diverse and competitive market, centering customers and public health while building on effective equity programs already at work in state markets. Here are the proposals in short form. Numero uno allow people to grow a reasonable number of marijuana plants for personal use dose prohibit vertical integration. That is key. I've railed about this. I've railed about this for like the last four years. I've railed about this. um, Yeah. I mean, this podcast has been around since um, yeah. Late 2018. So it's, we're going to be in the, I mean, we're on year four already. It's hard to believe. Um, We'll we'll have our fourth fourth anniversary August 4th. And um it's gonna be pretty big. But I've been reeling about vertical integration to anybody that would listen um since the the duration of this podcast that that, that we started um August 2018. I've 'cause Massachusetts with medical marijuana has had a vertical integration system. And when I started this podcast, we were paying over three hundred dollars an ounce. And we have I think a little bit over like twenty or thirty dispensaries for medical users, but we were paying over three hundred an ounce four years later. We're still paying fifty dollars an eighth for medical. It has not really changed. I mean, we have over a hundred stores for for medical at this point i believe or or no, we have a hundred recreational i don't I don't know what the medical amount is at this point. Um, I think it was like around 70 last time I checked. I got I'd have to double check that but I know I know recreational stories in Massachusetts are over a hundred at this point um we're still paying 300 and 300 plus an ounce for for medical in Massachusetts again we have vertical integration and for those who are not initiated with vertical integration vertical integration means that A a cannabis company trying to enter the cannabis business has to own all aspects of the process. So they have to be the grower, the packager, the edible maker, yada, yada, yada. They They have to do all of it, regardless of whether or not they would be suited to do all the processes. So again, if you have to own all the processes, only millionaire MSO Low quality uh, vendors will be able to really front that cost, and two, um, even if they can front the cost, they, that does not necessarily mean they're good at doing all the parts of, the, of of the supply chain. Some some vendors are very good at making edibles, but they are terrible at growing um um flower, or they're terrible at concentrates. Why not just outsource the things that you are good at to the people that are good at it? And again, again, that's where, that's where banning, um, that's where banning vertical integration comes in. We've seen markets like Maine where you have caregivers or small growers that can sell, that can create a medical cannabis storefront and service, service multiple and, and, and dozens and even hundreds of patients um from 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 their own house from from a storefront in their own house if they have a lot of acres then they can do that or if they want to if they want to just great edibles they can do so or if they think they're the best concentrate maker in Maine and they their specialty is concentrates they can go that route if they want to too so you have a lot of women you have a lot of men you have a lot of lgbt people you have a lot of different um people different walks of life that 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 run small businesses in Maine as a result of that. As as, As opposed to a system with a vertical integration where you have to own all the processes and you just have big cannabis conglomerates that charge 300 and outs. That's most of the East Coast. Do not cap the number of business licenses available in total. Exactly. This is this is big. Again, Arkansas, you cap the licenses. People are paying people are paying a lot of money, and they're not getting good quality. Ohio, I believe, you've capped the the licenses, and people are are, are being again. Um, this this paper was written at the Ohio State University. They're still selling tents right now because of this dumb limited licensure um, scheme. <laughs> Do not cap the number of business licenses available in total, but limit how much. Of a market any one person or entity may control. Bingo, yeah. Create incentives for states to license small or disadvantaged businesses. Enforce ownership limits and review managers based on existing evidence of predatory and anti-competitive tactics in state marijuana markets. Disqualified corporations from the cannabis industry if they have engaged in corporate crimes, defrauded the public, or caused significant public health damage. Yes. You have vendors in in Massachusetts that have flung moldy product, and they have not had their license removed. This has happened, and I'm sure this has happened in your state in the... Um, conglomerate um filled um expensive and 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 tyrannical east coast canvass scene east coast um medical canvas scene at the, at the very least I'm sure you all have have similar stories to 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 tell too but let's continue create a multi agency task force to enforce anti monopoly limits. Authorize states to ban or delay interstate commerce in order to preserve state-level advantages to local businesses. I like that because, again, I mean, in in Maine, you saw a lot of like weird things with recreational. Like, I mean, besides them delaying it, like you you were seeing these MSOs like try to, because like I believe Maine's law put provisions to to prefer in-state residents. But you had big marijuana, yet Cureleaf, to my knowledge, again, I mean, again, people can double check this, but to my knowledge, I believe it was Cureleaf that was lobbying for Maine to, to lower the residency requirements. So their MSO mediocre butts can have a chance. I think, think Cureleaf still has some stores in, in Maine, but I don't think a lot of people check for them. Introduction. Only a few decades ago, the Internet represented an opportunity to democratize economic opportunity, carve out an industry that rewarded innovation, and build a market with room for everyone. In the early days with formal with, excuse me in the early days with few formal barriers to entry, the market seemed truly free and open. But soon, a handful of large corporations emerge absorbing their competitors and adopting questionable ethics and business practices. The resulting concentration of power has been problematic on multiple fronts. The similarity to the possible paths for cannabis is striking. As with the internet, the early era of the cannabis industry showed promise that it would challenge existing norms. But the recent wave of market consolidation and high barriers of entry for smaller actors foreshadow a future national market controlled by only a handful of companies. Unless lawmakers and regulators take take intentional action to prevent it. Depending on the particulars of federal reforms, Congress could override or potentially protect individual state programs. Yeah, I mean, Maine. We saw them trying to MSOify it um, earlier this year, or no, um, no. We're in 2022 now, so last year they're trying to MSOify it, and they failed to do so. They're trying to make. It like the other failed programs nationally and they couldn't do it because, again, there's a there's a craft cannabis tradition that's existed in the two in the two plus decades that that Maine has had medical marijuana legal. And these MSOs wanted 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 to see their own agenda, hell or high water. And and the grassroots was able to foil them, at least for now. We have to respect state the culture of an individual state. If an individual state is a craft cannabis state, these predatory cannabis companies do not need to be undoing the culture of the state so they can make their own money. But you see that too often. Michigan, um, again, it's pretty similar boat than Maine to my knowledge. And according to friend of the show, um, daily dope show, just check out his podcast. If you haven't already, but, Michigan, much like Maine, had a very craft cannabis-oriented thing. They had the caregivers ran everything like, like, like Maine does. And, you know, the caregivers could sell directly to their provisioning centers. That's what they call um, dispensaries in, in, in Michigan. But, but caregivers could, could flip directly to dispensaries. I believe in, in Maine you can to a certain degree, too, um, if you're a caregiver. You can flip directly to a, a storefront if you want to. Like again, that th- like w- we need more of that as opposed to vertically integrated, um, limited licensure um, states where these store these these storefronts are charging people sixty and eight. Working men, working women do not
1: have that kind of money on a regular basis to blow. Yet these MSOs see- seem to think we do. But let's let's, let's continue. But soon a handful of large corporations emerge,
0: absorbing their competitors and adopting questionable ethics and business practices. The resulting concentration of power has been problematic on multiple fronts. The similarity between the possible paths for cannabis is striking. As with the Internet, the early era era of cannabis industry showed promise that it would challenge existing norms. Excuse me. But the recent wave of market consolidation, high barriers of entry for small, and it, doesn't, it does not help that these MSOs are buying off the politicians to keep the barriers of entry high. That does not help. But they are doing that a lot of the times that we've talked about this on multiple episodes. But the recent wave of market consolidation and high barriers of entry for smaller actors foreshadow a future national market controlled by only a handful of companies unless lawmakers and regulators take intentional action to prevent it. Depending on the particulars of federal reforms, Congress could override or potentially protect individual state programs. Unfortunately, in their current form, the major comprehensive reform bills being considered... Moore Act, State Reforms Act, and CAO Act would likely eviscerate a key component of state social equity programs, trigger a race to the bottom to roll back valuable public health protections, and potentially create dangerous gaps in
1: regulation until new federal rules are promulgated. Me... Me, it, uh, okay. So mega mergers it took me a second to get that.
0: Mega mergers, losses against the regulators, predatory pricing. Predatory pricing is big. That is happening a lot on the Eastern Seaboard, and I would say in Massachusetts. Um, I mean, again, I can't prove that all these stores are are are, are rubbing their hands together and trying to keep things at three hundred dollars. I can't prove that, but according to our um. According to our deep, our nearly two-hour deep dive from a couple of years ago, it seems that all these stores are charging the same price in Massachusetts. Uh, I mean, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, I mean, you have to you have to question whether or not this animal belongs to the Anatidae family of birds. Keep it a let's keep it a stack here. But yes, um, I've been in the Massachusetts Medical Cannabis Program since twenty since March of twenty seventeen. It's about to be five years pretty soon. And they're still charging me 50 and an eighth. Predatory pricing is a huge deal in, in, in the Eastern Seaboard.
1: Those of you out west have no idea how good you have it. Mega mergers, lawsuits against regulators,
0: predatory pricing, and political investment in excluding new entrants have always occurred at some level in the marijuana industry. But the skill at which these dynamics could unfold once cannabis is federally legal could be unprecedented. As an, as an illustration, the tobacco industry company Altria, Altria, which is targeting the cannabis industry, has a market capitalization greater than the estimated market value of the entire U.S. market. Federal legalization will spur even larger companies in beverage, food, and retail sectors where entering a federally illegal industry is an unacceptable business risk. To quickly update their analyses... Federal legalization could also impact efforts to build a fair and equitable industry. Many state and local jurisdictions have passed laws seeking to build a social justice agenda into their cannabis policy design, incorporating a reparative dimension and leveling the playing field for participation by communities most negatively impacted by the war on drugs. This has included directing significant tax revenue to communities of color harmed by the war on drugs, setting aside 50% or more of the licenses and jobs for people from these communities and offering technical assistance, creating automatic expungement programs for cannabis convictions and including other creative ways to begin and repair the harms of the drug war. The transition from individual state level cannabis programs to a consolidated national marketplace will either respect or and build on these programs or threaten their collective progress. The goal of profit and equity are sometimes at odds, and hastily throwing the doors open to interstate cannabis commerce will advantage the wealthiest, most privileged actors. As the market grows and profits rise, corporate consolidation is up. Cannabis public relations expert Randall Huff opined in the trade publication MMG or magazine, "Ultimately, quote, a company's long-term success depends on how well it rides up the consolidation curve, quote, whether or not you like it. The cannabis industry will progress progress along the same pathway as virtually every sector that came before it." A few strong companies will survive and the rest will disappear. End quote. This is the logic of big industry. They don't care. Again, big industry does not give an F. They don't care about curing your grandmother's arthritis. They don't give a crap about about helping your uncle's sciatica. They don't. They don't care about making a clean and safe product that your uncle or your grandmother can afford. They don't care. They don't care that your grandmother's on social security disability and she's in her flipping seventies or whatever. She's 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 disabled, makes a limited income, and cannot afford three
1: hundred an ounce. They don't care. These people don't care. They just see dollar signs out of out, out of these people's stories.
0: And that's that's why we have to. That's why we have to be unapologetically against big marijuana. And and and. And against and to be against too much and to be against regulation, too much of it. Because again, we all want safe products. But we have to look at who's the person who who are the people asking for more regulation? Or who are the people asking for certain regulations. You have to look to see whether or not they're going to financially benefit. Is this person gonna benefit if 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 Delta Eight is sold only at dispensaries. You have to really look at people, because some people say they're grassroots, but then they'll start, they'll start, they'll start using big marijuana talking points or pro tyranny talking points, or, or or certain companies, <coughs> True Relief, will pretend that they're pro grassroots, but on the sly, they're 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 big marijuana incarnate. Well, let's, let's let's keep this potion. This is the logic of big industry, but it does not have to be our future. John D. Rockefeller struck a similar tone when he said, growth of a large business is merely survival of the fittest. The working out of a few, or excuse me, the working out of a law of nature and a law of God. Let me read that again. I think that's gold. Because this is this is how these are how people on the top think. I'm sure Jeff Bezos like has this playing in his brain every day. Growth of a large business is merely survival of the fittest, the working out of a law of nature and a law of God. His oil company was ruled an illegal monopoly and dis- dissolved in 1911. Cannabis transitioned from an underground economy to regulated markets presents a unique opportunity to do things differently from the outset and maybe even provide an example for how other industries could be better regulated. Dose. Domination by big business is a threat to industry. Marijuana is legal for medical use in 37 states and for recreational use in 19 but it govern but the governing laws and regulations differ from state to state. With no federal regulations, there are no universal rules beyond the uncertainty that comes from mostly unenforced federal prohibition. Even the definitions of the plant itself, marijuana cannabis hemp vary even after the twenty eighteen Farm Bill helped create a national standard for exempting low THC cannabis from federal prohibition for businesses. This creates a chaotic and unpredictable environment at which both the state and local levels, which come on top of it, of the arduous task of securing capital and protecting securing capital and, and banking for a product that is still federally legal. The common practice of capping the number of cannabis licenses of, I'm looking at you, Arkansas. I'm looking at you, Ohio. The common practice of capping the total number of cannabis licenses available in a state or city tends to favor those with connections and lobbying resources. Looking at you, Pennsylvania, as well, too. You know, they limited the amount of stores and growers. I am almost certain they limited growers for certain because, like, they they don't have enough supply to meet their demand. You know, my, my listeners out there have told me that a lot. The common practice of capping the number of cannabis licenses available in a state or city tends to favor those with connections and lobbying resources. Two of the world's largest cannabis companies by revenue, Caroleaf and Green Thumb Industries, have touted their success in such states in security filings, with Caroleaf noting that it maintains an operational footprint. Of primarily limited licensed states. Again, these cowards can't even win in a fair fri- fight. That's why they're going to limited license, licensing states, because those are the only people that will buy their product. Because they're buying their product under duress. They're not buying their product because it, it's actually good and, and, and affordable and does the job. They're buying it because they have to. And in a lot of these states, you don't have a state, you don't have statewide D So if you don't have a card, you don't buy it through the store. You can have your life destroyed.
1: So these these mofos, these cowards, they bank on that. Let's continue. All right. Marijuana is legal for medical
0: use in thirty seven states and for recreational in nineteen. But the governing laws and regulations differ from state to state. But no federal just with no federal regulations, there are no universal rules beyond the uncertainty that comes from mostly unenforced federal prohibition. Even the definitions of the plan itself, marijuana cannabis hemp, vary even f- after the 2018 Farm Bill helped create a national standard for exempting low THC cannabis from federal prohibition. For businesses. This creates a chaotic and unpredictable environment at both the state and local levels, which comes on top of the arduous task of securing capital and banking for a product that's still federally illegal. The common practice of capping the number of, the, of cannabis licenses available in a state or city tends to favor those with connections and lobbying resources. Two of the world's largest cannabis companies by revenue are Leaf and Green Thuff Industries that have touted their success in states with insecurity fil- filings. With leaf noting that it maintains an operational footprint of, fi- pri- of primarily limited licenses state with natural with natu- with naturally high barriers of entry and limited market participants. Said Green Thumb Industries describing a seven state level cannabis markets in which it plans to operate as oligopolistic these folks these days are saying the quiet parts out loud and that is why they need to be smoke for gun in addition to the prevalence of license caps other developments highlight concerns about monopolistic behavior in the cannabis industry customers commonly complain that businesses are colluding to fix prices because that's because i feel that they are and again, I, I spent nearly two hours like looking at the website of all the dispensaries in Massachusetts. And sure enough, they were almost all, but like like maybe two or three were charging $50 uh, an eighth and 300 plus
1: an ounce. Again, I mean, I'm not saying there's collusion, but if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, you're probably dealing with a semi-aquatic bird on your hands with webbed feet. But um but yeah, I mean I I have reason to believe
0: that, that 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 it's probably the case that they are doing it. In addition to the previous or excuse me, in addition to the prevalence of license caps and other developments highlight concerns about monopolistic behavior in the cannabis industry, consumers commonly complain that businesses are colluding to fixed prices. At least one lawsuit has been threatened. And multiple cannabis law firms have published posts about how companies can avoid penalties for price fixings or price gouging. In August 2021, a North Carolina Senate committee approved a medical marijuana bill requiring businesses selling the product to have five years of out-of-state experience. Essentially qualifying new local... And that's, that's ridiculous. It's a dang shame. Plenty of, plenty of very skilled generational farmers in North Carolina that would love to, to sell marijuana or love to grow marijuana in, 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 in their farm, but are going to be
1: wiped off the board out of the gate because of big marijuana. In August 2021,
0: a North Carolina Senate committee approved a medical marijuana bill requiring businesses selling the product to have five years of out-of-state experience, essentially disqualifying new local entrants. The requirement was later removed. In September 2021, a California jury awarded $5 million in damages to a marijuana business that claimed a rival group of dispensaries teamed
1: up to prevent it from opening. A. Threats to equity and diversity and to public health. The current
0: marijuana market is difficult for marginalized people to access, despite many state laws explicitly intending otherwise. Today, fewer than 4% of the cannabis business owners are black, according to findings presented by the MORE Act Act. Rather than becoming easier to enter, the unique legal landscape of the cannabis industry combined with monopolistic actors is creating new additional barriers to entry. When states pass recreational legalization laws, existing medical marijuana businesses often lobby or create public relations campaigns seeking a head start on sales while all seeing a head start on sales, which will always disadvantage and can even exclude new entrants to the industry. When social equity applicants finally do enter the market, they can often be subjugated to predatory loans and unethical business practices by existing companies. Corporate consolidation can result in large companies that prove difficult to regulate Effectively, and advocates of, mar- of marijuana legalization have warned of the dangers of ending prohibition without appropriate public health regulations. In 2009 edition of After the War on Drugs Blueprint for Regulation, the pro-legalization drug policy think tank Transform exposed concern for any reform model that hands control of drug markets to ex- exploitative profiteers. The group argued that such an approach is, from a public health perspective at least, potentially even worse scenario than
1: unregulated criminal control of drug markets. I agree with that sentiment. Um, I do. I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but um, humor me for a bit. Yes, it's better to have exploitive um no, it's better
0: it's better to have the street pharmacists or the street dealers if if I may, it's better to have them being the ones that sell cannabis to the average Jane or the average joe. I'd rather have that twice on I'd rather have that all the time and twice on Sunday than to have corporatized dispensaries and men in suits that have not done marijuana in four decades selling this because it's an easy cash opportunity. Yes, do I mean do I like meeting a dealer for my product? No, I don't. Would I prefer to go to a dispensary? Yes, but if a dispensary is going to charge me four hundred an ounce, I'm just going to go back to the dealer. And also, and also again, I mean, you're going to some medical it's better to just keep it's better to just be like hey um medical marijuana is legal i don't care how you get it whether it's through a street pharmacist or wh- wherever or another state it's illegal. um and as long as you have it on you and you're doing it in private it's fair game i would rather have that than to have it regulated to have um i mean to have it so you can go to the store but then they're charging you 400 or 450 an ounce.
1: It's better to just go through the dealer at that point. All right. Legal commercial actors whose
0: primary concern is profit maximization would be free to aggressively promote consumption through marketing and advertising, end quote. The case of alcohol and tobacco industries provides a readily or ready example of the public health risk that can result from a small number of dominant companies aggressively commercializing their products and misleading their customers about health damages. Public health concerns take a backseat when alcohol and tobacco industries seek to maximize profits by maximizing consumption. Similar dynamics help fuel the nation's opioid epidemic when some pharmaceutical companies aggressively marketed certain products. Though advocates of cannabis might be quick to stress its medical benefits and suggest tobacco and alcohol are much more harmful, there can still be negative health impacts for certain populations and effective regulation can advance both public health and consumer safety. Consolidated corporate power threatens to threatens effective regulations, irrespective of the scope of risk. Well said, there is no evidence of big tobacco like fraudulent behavior in the cannabis industry so far. The reality may be the product of state-level legalization efforts which have created systems to tightly regulate and control cannabis production and sales. But federal legalization and industry concentration could undermine state-level success, especially if a national marketplace enables growing cannabis a growing cannabis industry to produce and market new cannabis products faster than research and regulation can adapt. As companies grow and consolidate, these corporate players eager to expand markets and reduce costs can more easily team up to lobby to resist or roll back regulations or to challenge advert or to challenge advertising regulations or other promotional limits. Corporate influence may may overtly or covertly shape regulations as witness historically with big tobacco jewel for example recently brought an entire issue recently bought an entire issue of a scholarly journal history also suggests larger companies will also have more resources to research and develop more profitable high, highly and highly concentrated products. Novel and yet to be developed cannabis products may be most concerning from a public health perspective. For for example, cannabis could be combined with other substances to create products that are more addictive or dangerous. Big tobacco companies have manipulated the chemical makeup of products to make them more addictive and thus more, more dangerous. Adding ammonia to cigarettes to make nicotine hit the user's brain faster is a is a classic example. Excuse me. Even big tech provides a clear demonstration that concentrated concentrated corporate power can can transform even the most benign products. What could be more benign than Facebook Facebook's like button into something addictive? And all too often harmful to society. I feel like that's done with with like so many things in society. Even like with rights and stuff. I feel like people take a certain right. And then once people get that right, people are like, all right, all right, we've gotten our goal done. But because we live in in such like a um, capitalistic society, like there can't be a we we achieved our goal you have to keep pushing towards more so i feel that's why you have so much extremism now and that's why you have so much um of these big corporations being able to pedal use things and not only that they research the customer and they research chemicals so much that they add additional things like like commissioner title was saying they add additional things so you get more hopped up again this is how these people run game on y'all this is how they run game on all
1: of us. So many good points being made. Even with big tech, even big tech provides a clear
0: demonstration that concentration, pa- concentrated corporate power can transport even the most benign of products. Again, what could be more benign than Facebook's light button into some more addictive and all too often harmful to our society? The track record of state level reforms combined with new concerns about the future of cannabis companies has now resulted in an ironic twist in perspectives. Many who previously opposed legalization, now seeing the success of state legalization efforts, are starting to warn are starting to warm to the notion of ending prohibition at a federal level. Many small cannabis businesses and longtime reform advocates have become the loudest voices in support of going slow and exercising caution in terms of federal reforms. And I'm like that too, increasingly. B, open competition. Small marijuana is more politically popular than corporate consolidation. Big marijuana. Since the government first outlawed cannabis in the 1930s, the laws governing its use and production have been much more a product of political forces and cultural trends, than research evidence or good policy. The rapidly increasing support for legalization is political in nature. Still, Democrats openly celebrate the bump for their party's candidates when a marijuana referendum is on the ballot. Meanwhile, former Republican officials like John Boehner and Tom Price—we've talked about them a couple of weeks. We talked about both those people a couple of weeks ago, who oppose the legalization of cannabis while in office have had a change of heart, i.e. money and joined the industry. These decisions, again, this, this boomer hypocrisy in action. Again, these, both these boomers did exactly what I say. Boomers are, are apt to do. Um, specifically boomers in power here. This do as I say, don't do as I do. Never apologize for anything and it's only a problem it's only a problem if it affects me if it's not if it does not affect me it's not an issue and again um i can do something but i will lock your asses up and i will
1: bash your butts up for doing the exact same thing again that's that's, that's key boomer behavior these decisions often have little to
0: to little to do with new research evidence and everything to do with new politics and with with concentrating pools of money flowing from new legal marketplaces. Any practical effort towards sound federal marijuana policy then must inevitably consider both sound policy and political dynamics. On certain grounds, the two fundamentally align. Policy that supports a fair market with a smaller business and and healthy competition is not just a good way to support public health and racial justice. It is also wholly in line with today's political trends. With 2021 legalization bills from both major parties, it is one of the rare political issues to enjoy broad bipartisan support among the voters. At the same time, lawmakers propose that it would be wise to observe that the dislike of excessive corporate power seems to be bipartisan as well. The 2015 initiative in Ohio, the only recent reform effort to be rejected by state voters by a nearly two to one margin, most tangibly demonstrated this point. The overall support for marijuana legalization in the state was outweighed by the concerns of a reform model giving exces- exclusive rights to grow marijuana to backers of the initiative. Again, Nick Lachey was going to make a lot of cash off that. I've mentioned I've mentioned this before, but he was one of the um growers that was gonna make money off that initiative. Um so all you 80s babies, um look
1: Nicholas Shea was prevented from being a weed tycoon. <laughs> all right, um, let's let's continue. As as the press detailed, polls at the time showed strong support for ending Prohibition,
0: but there was strong opposition to the sections of the measure that limited commercial marijuana farming to a few wealthy landowners, including Nick Lachey, like I mentioned. With so many sectors of the American economy already dominated by large corporate actors, incorporating antitrust principles to support small businesses may help a federal legalization bill gain broad public support. One aspect of growing public support for marijuana reform is widespread hope that a reasonable or responsible new legal industry will emerge to replace the illicit marijuana marketplace. Reform models at both the state and federal level will be especially popular if and perhaps only when they incorporate evidence based provisions expressly designed to advance public aspirations for an equitable and responsible industry.
1: Three Existing Federal Legalization Proposals. One sec. But I do have one last thing that I want to talk about. All right. Um,
0: I, I know that I didn't, that, that we're going back to the other section, but I do have one more thing I want to mention about what we just talked about. Um, we need more proposals like like I've been hearing in the past couple of years in Illinois. I've heard um people of color, I've heard black people like myself, and I've heard um various other minorities suggest. I remember reading an article about about Illinois. Another, I, I consider Illinois to be like our sister state in terms of um recreational. Like I feel like their recreational struggles are pretty st- similar to ours and they both have a nearby um um state that is doing that has done medical um very well for a long time um massachusetts has maine that they can go to for medical cannabis worth a darn um illinois has michigan that they can go to for um medical cannabis worth a darn and 're they're, they're paying high prices in, in Illinois, Massachusetts. Uh, again, my, my buddies in Illinois are telling me about their high prices, and it's around what we pay in Massachusetts. So again, but and, and the crazy thing, I mean, Massachusetts, like the to our credit for recreational, we don't have like a license cap or anything. We don't have a license cap. It's just extra and, and, and for for adult use, we don't believe it or not, we don't have vertical integration for adult use. But for medical, we have vertical integration. I know it's it's wicked backwards, but um, is what it is. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, we have, I mean, I mean, we have in we have um vertical integration for for medical, but not for for the adult use and stuff. But again, I mean, vertical integration keeps prices high um practices like we've been seeing in other countries like like shout out to thailand and shout out to my thailand listeners and to the to the thai people that i i have in my life in various capacities so shout out to all of them but shout out to my listeners um totally um like in thailand when they legalize medical marijuana they legalized it in a way that allowed people to grow their own plants. I believe that the medical marijuana they legalized is not the full THC one. It's more of like a CBD um, one. So you can, grow, you can grow a couple of CBD, CBD plants in your house. But the thing is, you could sell the CBD plants to the government and you could make side cash off it. Like every state should do that. And, and again, it could be sent to the, and, and I'm imagining that that, that the stuff that they grow gets sent to the supply chain that, that goes to the patients and the patients go to the store and get their CBD product to treat their illness. Like, again, it's like, you're making a difference in your world. It's like, all right, so the, so the plants I'm growing in my backyard, I'm going to, fl- I'm going to flip to the, um, I'm going to flip, um, to the government makes money. Or I or you know. My relative or whatever she she's sick with a certain illness, I will help grow some for her, and I'll flip whatever extra I've got to the to 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 the government, and more people will have access to medicine, and more less people will do without that medicine. It's like it's like it feels like a community garden in a sense. It feels very very great and 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 noble to do something like that. to have something like that, um, you know, in places like Maine. Um, caregivers craft caregivers, small business women and men and 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 various other people on 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 various other spectrums they they can sell their product directly to the storefront so if they have um a good amount of property and land, they can grow their own cannabis they grow it with love and care and um Yeah, I mean, they can grow with love and care and they can sell it to an existing storefront if they want. And I believe Michigan was like that to a certain degree, too, where the individual folks or caregivers can sell to the provisioning spensers, i.e. dispensaries, like they call it there. But when they corporatize everything in Michigan, they start cracking down on that. And in Maine last year, they were trying to crack down on small marijuana. But the grassroots stopped them and had a very strong fight last year. Um, but we have to continue keeping our eye on the ball across the board. Colorado saw saw regression, um, I believe, in like the last year or two, where you know they lowered the amount of concentrates people can buy. Like they are they're they're whittling things down even in Colorado. And the grassroots fall asleep in Colorado, and I maintain that. I I, I did an episode about that um, right after it happened. But the grassroots did fall asleep on the wheel, and that can't be allowed to happen again. Now on to the Section 3. As federal legalization approaches, policymakers and reform advocates must recognize the risks and the current federal legislative proposals may exacerbate existing challenges caused by consolidation and may undercut state programs that seek to prioritize small slash local businesses or disenfranchised people. The three current congressional proposals are not the same with respect to these concerns. The Democrat led cannabis administration and opportunity act Partially addresses the monopoly concerns by prohibiting certain corporate bribery practices. The Republican-led States Reform Act exempts state-licensed cannabis operators from federal requirements and gives existing operators a distinct advantage over new entrants. Again, that sounds like it's going like to favor big marijuana a bit. But again, I mean, we got to be realistic here. I don't think the More I think I think the States Reform Act has a much stronger chance in passing than the
1: More Act. But I like the More Act a lot better, but I don't think that has legs as much. But again, let's continue. The Republican led State Reform Act
0: exempts state licensed cannabis operators from federal requirements and gives existing operators a distinct advantage over new entrants. All proposals, however, raise the risk of facilitating and even fostering excessive consolidation in the marijuana industry by failing to set up a regulatory structure guided by antitrust principles. Marijuana businesses have an astounding capital needs, have astounding capital needs, and must comply with some of the most expensive and, and restrictive security and inventory tracking requirements of any industry. In addition to these businesses must navigate a layered approval process at multiple levels of government, a process complex at best and potentially rife and with bias and corruption. Congress must decide how to navigate or alter the existing landscape. If a federal bill leaves these labyrinthine approval processes in place while at the same time removing the barriers to interstate commerce, we could be on our way to a consolidated industry that looks increasingly like other highly concentrated markets. And with many of the accompanying costs, On the other hand, opening up a national market slowly and deliberately while promoting equitable paths to starting businesses could help counter consolidation and promote a diverse competitive market. If barriers to entry were low for new marijuana businesses and if licenses were issued fairly and freely at the state level, federal legalization in support of an equitable marketplace would be an easier task. But existing markets are neither open nor free, and none of the federal bills currently under consideration would get them closer to that goal. Certainly, descheduling cannabis would improve access to banking capital and reduce tax burdens for all cannabis companies. Some current measures alone. Excuse me, let me read that again. All right. My eyes are like all right, but existing markets are neither open nor free, and none of the federal bills currently under consideration would give would get them much closer to that goal. Certainly, descheduling cannabis would improve access to banking and capital and, and reduce tax burdens for all cannabis companies. And some and some current measures alone to solve existing inequities to prevent new ones is questionable. So far, we do not have evidence that similar measures have worked entirely effectively at the state level, even before many interested corporate behemoths enter the national market. Any policy seeking to benefit small businesses and disadvantaged communities is incomplete without a set of complementary policies Expressly designed to prevent corporate domination at a state and national level. Eight specific recommendations for such
1: policies are set forth below. 4. Federal policy and enforcement recommendations.
0: Uno, Allow people to grow a reasonable number of marijuana plants for personal use. Home grow, like I say, is leverage. Take that to the bank and give me credit for that phrase. I'll say it again: Homegrow is leverage, people. Homegrow is leverage. I need, I need to like, I need to like make that into like a face mask or like a like 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 gear or whatever or swag. But that is my catchphrase, and and if I see other people like using it, I will be like, yeah, those people copied me because that, that's that's my phrase. But I'm digressing a bit. Criminalizing the personal... Let me say that again. Criminalizing the personal cultivation of cannabis plants and forcing consumers to buy only commercial products. New Jersey, (coughs) Washington State. Commercial marijuana products gives an unnecessary advantage to corporations by creating a captive market with no alternative. Allowing home cannabis cultivation... Meanwhile, provides an incentive for businesses to offer products that compete with homegrown cannabis on quality, price, and most importantly for medical patients, access to a wide variety of cannabis types. Exactly. Like I've had um homegrown cannabis um that from from I mean, from various different sources, either from bodies that grew their own, um, either from yeah i mean I've had cannabis from buddies that that um yeah i've had a home grow- i mean i've had grows from cannabis from people that grew their own and i've also had it from um you know like dispensaries and i've had like home grows from from college from from random dealers that have blown the socks off dispensaries um i've had Different varieties of cannabis and different chemovars, like rarer chemovars that I don't tend to see at most of the mass dispensaries that I've been to so far. Like I've gotten some from my caregiver uh, um, that, that she grew out in Maine that I can't really get out here in Massachusetts. And again, I use this for medical purposes I, and I, I need this for medical purposes. You know, if I had a more severe illness where I needed a very specific strainer, I was probably going to die within a few years, um, I'd be in an e- even worse boat. Again, this is why we need this accessible and affordable um, nationwide in all of the U.S. states and
1: territories and, and globally But so let's continue. Many states wisely prioritize the protection of patients and
0: consumers by allowing limited at-home cultivation and enacting robust privacy laws. Homegrown laws can serve as a check on an anti-competitive market. Again, looking at you, Arkansas, looking at you, Ohio, um, looking at you, um, uh, Florida, all these other medical states with no, with no homegrown. Looking at you, Jersey. Looking at you. Um, I mean, we can keep going, but it's, again, homegrown provides leverage. If if decides if to be charging you 400 an ounce, and you have a buddy that can grow their own, and you can just go to them instead, you don't have to go to that store
1: charging you 400 an ounce. And that is what these big marijuana stores are afraid of. And we will vote with our feet and, and 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 go to our buddy that grows or just grow our own outright that's what they fear they they they, they fear that so much home laws can serve as a check on an
0: anti-competitive market by providing an alternative to purchasing from corporate retailers Congress could eliminate federal penalties for adults who cultivate some limited number of plants on private property, for example, and give them to others without compensation. States would be able to to adopt stricter state-level penalties if they so choose. But it is critical that federal reform not preclude states from having their own desired homegrown provisions that can help, contribute to a more balanced market environment for consumers and similar businesses. Dose prohibit
1: vertical integration. Vertical prohibit prohibitions on vertical integration
0: controlling multiple stages of production are common sense, historically tested methods of avoiding anti-competitive market dominance. The regulatory model for alcohol, which has always prohibited vertical integration, might offer a place to start, but it will not ensure a competitive marketplace on its own. One can find thousands of brands of beer to choose from, but just two massive firms, Heiser busch InBev, and Miller Coors control over 70% of beer sales still prohibiting vertical integration might be a relatively straightforward step towards preventing a, a national cannabis monopoly. Many states, including Washington, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Michigan, have sensibly set some kind of limitation on the number and type of marijuana businesses that one entity may hold in order to promote
1: broader Access to the market. However, those boundaries may not
0: survive federal legalization if Congress' congressional legalization imposes no such limits on the national market. Businesses restricted in one state would suddenly find themselves competing in the national market. ...against massive businesses based in states that impose no such restrictions, which could then lead the more restrictive states to remove their own limits. If federal legalization indeed includes a limit on vertical integration, companies that are already vertically integrated at the state level could be broken up using similar processes by which monopolies in other industries have been spun off into separate companies. None of the federal legalization bills currently being considered explicitly prohibit vertical integration, but the CAO Act imposes prohibitions against the commercial bribery and the uncompetitive trade practices in the cannabis industry. Modeled after similar rules that apply to alcohol, These policies are designed to prevent businesses from bribing or inducing other businesses into practices that would favor their products and limit competition. Three, do not cap the number of business licenses available in total, but limit how much of a market any one person or entity may control. A properly enforced legal limit on how much a state a national market a single actor can control. is a straightforward way to ensure that the market does not unfairly favor existing operators or allow them to dominate the market before equity programs are established or implemented, as has been the case in multiple state markets. It is more difficult to undo monopolization of a market than to prevent it from happening in the first place. Limiting the extent to which one business can control the market should not be confused with language that limits the total number of cannabis licenses, businesses, or stores in any jurisdiction. Such limits generally work to stifle a fair and open market, Because they create a bidding war that often rewards larger businesses with more resources or experiences in presenting the elements of a winning application. In contrast, limits on how many licenses slash businesses one entity or individual can control can prevent that actor from dominating the market. In terms of fairness, the worst possible scenario would be to enact a limit on the total number of licenses in a jurisdiction, but not the limit how much of that market one person or entity can control. For example, if one city were to allow five marijuana cultivation centers and 10 stores within its boundaries then license several of those permits to just one vertically integrated entity, it would become very difficult for anyone else to compete in that market. Yet many states have taken precisely that approach, usually by enacting special privileges that allow existing marijuana businesses to easily expand their operations into the recreational market. Unfortunately, the current federal proposals by members of Congress miss the opportunity to connect these dynamics and instead could cement past results. Different types of results attempting to prevent market domination have been passed in several states, including Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Illinois, which limit the number one type of license which which limit the number of one type of license an entity may hold to 3, 5 and 10 respectively to balance state interests in autonomy with goals for a fair and equitable national cannabis marketplace a sensible congressional bill would automatically grant a federal registration to anyone with a state license provided that doing so would not violate the federal government's own limits on overall ownership and control. Four, create incentives for states to license state or disadvantaged businesses.
1: Create incentives for states to license small or disadvantaged businesses. The first marijuana social equity programs in
0: the country were enacted in the mid-2010s, and subsequent programs have built upon them. It is too early to draw conclusions as to their benefits, but years of innovation and continuous adjustments based on public feedback have created a wealth of information in progress. Oakland, California Shout out to family in, in Oakland, California. I, I need to visit, Oakland. I'm, I'm going to try to do so on a long enough timeline. Oakland, California, the first jurisdiction to pass equity-related legislation for cannabis has developed a comprehensive program for eligible applicants, providing them with access to grants and property, and property loans, among other support services. The city... Has set aside fifty percent of dispensary licenses, dis licenses for equity licenses. Massachusetts, the first state to pass cannabis equity legislation at a state level, reserved all its cannabis delivery delivery licenses for equity program participants for a period of at least three years. Allowing again, I mean. Shout out to Commissioner Title. Commissioner Title was the commissioner that got it to be three. Initially, it was only supposed to be a um, exclusivity period for, I believe, one year. Commissioner Title asked for five years. The commission agreed to three. That is how negotiation works. And the very the very person that wrote this paper, this is why she's writing this paper. This is why we're reading this paper. Again, she 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 knows how to play 4D chess very well. That's why she's in the position she's in. And that's why we're reading her paper right
1: now, obviously. All right, but let's continue. Allowing the new businesses to bypass brick
0: and mortar stores and deliver cannabis products to le- directly directly to customers. Illinois was the first state to create a fund to provide capital to social equity businesses and Colorado recently recently revamped its entire
1: legal marijuana program with a new focus on social equity. No, oh, then I can't see that point. All right. Washington finally passed an
0: equity licensing measure last year new york and new jersey have drawn from these experiences and some observers expect them to implement the most equitable marijuana programs yet to know whether the state equity programs are successful federal legislation or federal legalization or legislation yeah it says legislation i don't know why i'm I'm missing so many words today yeah, yeah, there's a lot. yeah, I'm I'm missing a lot, but it is what it is. Maybe I shouldn't have vaped too much or whatever. Or maybe I should vape some more. Maybe I'll maybe it'll put me at some equilibrium.
1: The idea so crazy it might just work and I'm gonna do it. To the cloud, folks. To know whether state equity programs are successful,
0: federal legislation must provide a mechanism to assess the effectiveness of different state innovations and encourage those that work best. One mechanism focused on the historic inequities of marijuana prohibitions enforcement was part of the Marijuana Justice Justice Act of 2019. A provision in the bill reduced federal funds of the construction or staffing of prisons and jails to those states that arrest or incarcerate people for marijuana offenses disproportionately by race. A similar model could be used to tie federal funds to benchmarks related to state support and advancement of small and disenfranchised or disadvantaged, if I may, Businesses in the marijuana industry. 5. Enforce ownership limits and review mergers based on evidence of predatory anti-competitive tactics in the state marijuana markets. States with ownership limits have developed antitrust enforcement mechanisms. In the past few years, multiple high-level and potentially anti-competitive marijuana company mergers were announced only to be canceled after failing to receive state regulators' approval. Since marijuana laws typically allow regulators broad access to documents and contracts, investigators can examine the contracts to find violations of ownership and control rules, such as unlawful management agreements that give control and revenues to one party, while a different party is listed on the paperwork. Investigators could also look at supply or purchase agreements to find exclusive contracts that could impede new competitors from entering the market. Such investigative authority could exist at both state and federal levels. As with regulatory rulemaking and licensing, the merger review process should be transparent and inclusive. I do you know I'm reading a bit better because I've I've had a vape session. This proves that this is good. Maybe this is helping my ADD and my flightiness, you know. Was. Agencies should welcome input from industry and other members of the public as part of their review. Whenever possible, proposed remedies and agreements should be subject to public comment before they become final. Penalties at both the state and federal level should be sufficient to disincentivize violations. In Massachusetts and California, for example, a marijuana business license essentially becomes void if the business changes who controls the business Without regulatory approval. Six, disqualify corporations from the cannabis industry if they have engaged in corporate crimes, defunded the public, or caused significant public health damage proposed federal marijuana legalization bills as well as virtually every state cannabis legalization law inc- excludes people from entering the marijuana industry based on past co- individual conduct or ca- criminal records some of these exclusions should be eliminated for instance, exclusions based on convictions for cannabis possession and small sale distribution, in part because these exclusions disproportionately disadvantage certain groups and in part because there is no evidence that, that excluded populations pose any kind of special risk if involved in the new marijuana industry. There is, however, good reason to adopt exclusions for corporations or other entities that have been bad actors relevant to securing operating licenses or running a marijuana business. Under a CAO Act, States Reforms Act or other federal bill that includes federal permitting, a permitted or excuse me, a mandatory disqualification should be added for actual malfeasance in corporate practices. Under such a rule, any corporation that has been found to engage in corporate crimes or fraud or that has produced products that have caused substantial harm to public health, such as big tobacco companies, should not be permitted to enter the marijuana industry, nor should any corporation own controlled by that entity seven create a multiple agency task force to enforce monopoly limits did i yeah i believe i covered all that okay so um so before we go into this i think i'm gonna add another um i think it falls under six and i think i think title meant it but, no, I don't want to put words in, commission, in the commissioner's mouth. But what I will say is that they should add police officers and, and former law enforcement to this list, too, if they're not already added. Um, I, don't believe a, I don't believe cops should make money off cannabis a second time. I don't believe you should make money off cannabis arrests and then make money off security detail. Like, that's what's happening in a lot of legal areas. And I believe in Canada, the country of Canada, they put a former cop in charge of federal legalization or, or in charge of big aspects of legalization. Um, Bill Blair or whatever his name is. F him. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, in my state, they've been doing that too. Like, they, like, there are, like, like you're having cops doing security detail now for for adult use stores and probably many of these cops um in the 90s and the and before 2008 were making lots and lots of money off of jailing people for weed. We have to remember that before 2008 in Massachusetts cannabis was federal was was a felony in Massachusetts before 2008. Deep trouble for weed in 2008.
1: I mean before um before um December of 2008 deep trouble before that period. Seven, create a multi-agency task force
0: to enforce anti-monopoly limits. An anti-monopoly task force made up of a state, federal, local officials who share information who help to prevent Unlawful, unlawful corporate conduct that undermines equitable cannabis laws at the same level. Cannabis or. At the same level, excuse me, companies that receive social equity benefits, for example, already report attempted predatory contracts and practices by other businesses to regulators who can then investigate them, address them with new rules, and even share their information with regulators in other states. Review of material collected for banking compliance could potentially also be helpful to regulators detecting transactions r- related to unlawful or h- hidden control of a company federal legalization should comp- complement and extend this process especially because of a federal watchdog because a federal watchdog can better identify business with a problematic track record in multiple jurisdictions appropriate enforcement should include a way for members of the public to, to share information about potential violations with multi-agency task force for example whistleblowers who are who are witness to or invited to participate and an anti-competitive conduct should be incentivized to provide tips to the task force or other regulators. Eight, authorize states to continue to ban or delay interstate commerce to preserve state legal advantages to local businesses. Vanderbilt Law School... Professor Rob Mikos wrote earlier this year that if we want to limit industry consolidation or boost minority participation in the cannabis market or shape the cannabis market in other ways, it will likely take congressional legislation to get the job done. As it stands, however, Congress does not appear to recognize the impeding rise of interstate Commerce in
1: cannabis and the challenges it poses to state regulators. End "Quote: Legalizing marijuana at the federal level is not a law. Is not enough
0: to solve current problems of inequitable access to the market, and it may, in fact, result in a dynamic consolidation of the industry." The most sensible way to proceed with federal legis- legislation would be for Congress to explicitly authorize states to delay or ban interstate commerce initially as part of a larger plan for racial and social justice, then take the necessary time to gather data and information to proactively regulate the industry before states are required to allow. Interstate commerce. This would also allow state and local social
1: equity programs to continue. That must be prioritized. The heck would interstate commerce if you cannot ensure the drug war victims are are
0: a key part of this new industry. The people that paved the way for this, the people that were selling this and putting their necks on the line when when the war on drugs um when the war on drugs was 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 ravaging communities and the people that were getting the street pharmacists that were getting us our medicine anyway they need to be in this industry and they need to be made whole they and their families need to be made whole
1: if not what's the point of doing this really if not what's the point of flipping doing it This would also allow state and local social equity programs to continue.
0: If the More Act if the More Act States Reform Act or the CAO Act pass as written, consolidation is highly likely, fueled by economies of scale and regional advantages such as favorable growing climates and industry-friendly state and local politicians. This result is especially likely during the formative period after marijuana is descheduled before federal regulations are promulgated. One way to ensure smaller businesses get off the ground is to specifically allow individual states to determine when to join the national marketplace. By explicitly authorizing states to continue their current programs, we can slow down consolidation and states continue to experiment, especially with programs that favor local businesses. We are, after all, still learning the ins and outs on how to best regulate marijuana. With more time to study state markets. Federal agencies can develop the core con- competency to properly regulate the industry to promote competition and innovation. 5. Conclusion Cannabis legalization provides a rare opportunity to nurture a more equitable industry nationally and a more accountable and corporate culture. Law- lawmakers are effectively starting from scratch legalizing a multi-billion dollar industry almost overnight around a plant that has been illegal for generations. Decisions made today will have lasting impacts on the future of the market, determining whether cannabis market is dominated by a few powerful companies or open to all types of entrepreneurs. The biggest lesson From Big Tobacco and Big Tech Is that free and open competition Is not an issue we can Safely figure out after the fact Exactly I'm going to say this again I'm going to say what Commissioner Title said The biggest lesson From Big Tobacco and Big Tech Is that Free and open competition Is not an issue We can safely figure out After the fact you have to get it right off the rip. The legalization movement has broadly le- has has broad public support and has its origins in grassroots advocacy. Public policy around it should rightly serve the public, sensible regulation to prevent excessive corporate power, protect public health, and serve the public. Good. Must not become a side note. It is not up to us to build a fair market where everyone has an opportunity to compete and thrive. Let's reap the benefits of competition and enjoy an innovative market that respects workers, consumers, and the cannabis plant itself for generations to come. End End of publication or end of... I don't want to call this an article. I think this is more of like an essay. So end of essay. Excellent essay from dear friend of the show and great friend of the show, and 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 cannabis pioneer and legend many times over, Commissioner Shalene Title. Um. So again, yeah, don't. Um. Again, we 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 got to keep all of these. Lessons in mind, and we cannot get complacent. Don't get complacent, people. That's what I want to say. Don't flipping get complacent. Things can backslide. Colorado backslid. You know they 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 more heavily regulated concentrates, and they instituted some tyranny, um, with the with the doctor patient relationship. From what I've been hearing, and now they make it harder for um. For pediatric medical cannabis patients, including friend of the Shore show and um, um, young woman, Alexis Bortel. So again, I mean, tyranny, cannabis tyranny does have a price and medical tyranny does have a price. And we have to make this market affordable and accessible for average chains and average joes. But enough from me. I can be found anywhere you find podcasts such as iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, IR Radio, and other platforms like it. You can find me on Instagram at underscore i am sativa, and you can find me on Twitter at sativa pod and as always everyone, stay medicated my friends, peace out and ciao. You can enter the following coupon codes for extra discounts, such as dogtreat20, tincture20, 40% sign off ISO, 15% sign off CBD, and that applies to the entire store. And as always, everyone, stay medicated, my friends. Peace out and ciao.